there it goes. Okay, great. Well, uh, today we're here for another episode of Connect Globally and Innovate the Global Mindset. And we're here today with Mike Eklund. Uh, thanks for joining today, Mike. Nice and Thank happy you, Friday. Thank you, It's very nice <laughs> to be you. here with you. Thank you. And we kind of go a long way back over like, I think around 10 years, right? Similar spaces. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm really happy to be able to sit down and talk to you because I learned uh, more in our recent conversation also, and I know you've always been involved. Even 10 years ago, I think when, in, when people were not talking so much as they are now about innovation as it relates to everything, especially in technology. And uh, so I'd love to learn more about that. So currently, you're, I think you're wearing multiple hats as you usually do because you're very creative and, and busy in your work. So you are currently, uh, you have a startup that you co-founded called SmartBots. Correct. And also the Innovation Podcast. Those are- That's right. With the, yeah. Innovation the innovation room, right? So, um, uh, uh, just tell us more about this um, the startup, and you know what you. Um, I think you have you have specific roles on there too, but I know that you you were part of the starting of this company, SmartBots, yes. and what that's about. Yeah. So SmartBots is a it's a, a platform for it's a software platform to build and manage chatbots and virtual assistants. So uh, the team has developed a, uh, a platform to be able to, um, to build a custom chatbot or virtual assistant uh, across many different industries like finance, pharmaceuticals, insurance, healthcare. And um, we've been around, uh, well, technically about 10 years. We spun out of another company called Palney about three and a half years ago. And uh, really fine-tuned this platform back, started to fine-tune it around that, around that time and uh, continued to build out these, these custom solutions. So it's an AI-based platform. So the core of what we do is, is truly based around using artificial intelligence to be able to help companies interact with their customers or their partners better to create these experiences where you're using a chatbot or a voice bot or a virtual assistant. And I can talk about the difference of those uh, to be able to have a, uh, a self-service or a, you know, a very uh, timely frictionless type of conversation to solve a solve an immediate problem. So in a nutshell, that's what SmartBots is about. I, I did, I was originally an advisor to them back when they were first rolling out of uh, Poundly about three or four years ago, helping them just to define the product features and and to uh, help uh, get to that MVP right stage. Did some help getting some fundraising going. Also, uh, just really getting what is it? What does the product look like in the marketplace? And where's our product market fit going to be? So. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I, was, I know the one of the founders from years back. We worked together at HSBC back in the mid 2000s, and uh, so it was a, uh, it was great to be to be able to reconnect with him and his team to, uh, to help uh, launch this company. 
That's um, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. You the product market fit. That's uh, that's always a, a key part of the process. And this chatbot, it sounds like it has a lot uh, to do with um, also understanding the customer. And I see you also have some some industries that you focus on, and also different verticals like in um, I think HR, sales, support. So. Um, right. It's um, very specialized for different niches, right? Yeah. So there's, um, the, you know, the, we like to look at it the way, you know, it's truly a platform that can be horizontal and work across many different industries. A lot of what we do is build out these custom solutions on the platform for a client. So we have done appointment setting bots for healthcare, for example, or, um, a sales assistant bot for pharmaceutical salespeople. So there's all these different applications and use cases that you can you can apply natural language to the solution, and that's where we fit. Um, and uh, so we truly like to work across these, these different industries and and uh, find all these interesting use cases where we can leverage nat natural language processing to solve the problem. And does for the natural language processing, do you have to have um, specialists in certain types of technology working on your team then? Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, conversation designers <clears throat> we, who kind of work as like a business analyst to really design, truly design the conversation. What does it look like when you're engaging a patient on uh, setting an appointment with a doctor What's the right way to have that conversation if it's automated? There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. There's actually a lot of wrong ways to do it. So a conversation designer is a person that is is working closely with the you know the the healthcare team to ensure that we're building the right kind of conversation for the for the bot. We also have um, you know in our developer team we have people with very specialized AI algorithm you know, type of skills. We're working with uh, like Lambda and all these other technologies in the back end that, that create the models that are being used for within the AI solution. So, um, you know, there's, uh, there's JavaScript tech uh, skills, there's AI based skills, and um, we use a lot of Node.js too. So a lot of development, tech heavy development skills in order to uh, to make all this happen and come together. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's so useful to have this, um, you know, more of this smart engagement on websites. Is this mostly on websites then that this is operating? Yeah, I, it does. So it works across many channels, but the most common channel is web. So you've probably seen like the little pop up in the bottom right of a website. Um, I know that you use Tidio for uh, ethnic uh, events, yeah. yeah, and that's a live chat. Um, so that's it's would be sitting in the same spot right there on a website. It's just more of an automated solution than having a live person behind it. We can do both actually, and and um, uh, transfer that conversation to a live person at any point in time. That's one of the features of the platform.
but yeah, web is the most common interface. We also have built for voice. So you can call in and everything that we build from the AI side of things can be then translated to voice. So you can have it. And as part of an IVR system, when someone calls in for customer care at a company, they can initially talk to a voice bot to either get the call routed directly, correctly, or even ask questions like, hey, I want to update my mailing address, okay? And the voice bot can walk them through getting that done in an automated fashion, which is usually much cheaper than having a human being just answer those simple questions of how do I update my mailing address, right? Uh, yeah. So voice, web, and then also, you know, mobile app, um, we have developed for to be embedded in a mobile app or embedded in other applications. And that's where you would use like the voice command or a chat command in order to take an action in an application. That's wonderful so because, the, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, I was saying that's, and, but the, the two main interfaces, you know, it's voice and chat, right? That's how we usually talk, you know, to get things done. But those can be done on, you know, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Slack. We can deploy in all those places. That's, that's really, um, I mean, it's from a customer perspective, this is really a game changer because it can help solve other, solve these problems sooner because even if there were a person available, it's often, you know, going through a large phone tree before you get to the person and it's, it's very frustrating, right, to deal with that as a customer. So I think this is, this is wonderful and it's, it's um, initially probably, as you mentioned, the, the people that are involved with these um, did you, you said con conversation analyst? That's a key part, seems like a key part of the process in knowing like the different types right. of customers that are out there. Yes, and, yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. Getting the customer experience right is very important. You know, uh, the early chatbots that were developed um, back four, four or five years ago were, didn't use really anything AI related. It was more of a workflow, static text, more of a search engine that was just trying to find a relevant answer. And if you've ever used one back then, you realize you probably had a pretty, you know, not great experience with them. And so what the, you know, part of what we've done with the AI piece is really just to make it just a much better, smoother experience that where it's context driven in the conversation that we understand if the if the, the user side is changing the topic of the conversation or asks a different question, you know, language is very complex. And there's dialects, there's, you know, the way people ask questions that uh, there's in the way people infer things, you know, uh, that as when we talk human to human, we get that. We, we can pick up on those cues, but a computer can't. So you need to have, these things in place to be able to detect, hey, is this conversation going wrong? Is there something that's not correctly happening in this conversation? And then we have a, a way to back out of that, to smoothly help the person get the answer they need without just saying, sorry, I'm not, I can't do that. You know, um, There's a lot of work being done to make that a very smooth, customer-centric type of conversation. That, yes, exactly. And I heard also um, 
about, you know, when I was doing my master's in CS about almost 10 years ago, I heard a lot about the neuro-linguistic neuro programming. Um, so intersection with those type of cross-functional cross roles where somebody knows a lot about language, but also about technology as well too. So it's getting, yes. uh, it's in that space and more, much more refined since, since that time. Um, how about in the pandemic time? It, I'm sure this is even more relevant um, as people are relying more on e-commerce for transactions. And even, even um, if they are going to the store to pick up, it's, it's this buy online, pick up in store. So a lot of that is going online prior to that. So you're seeing probably increased yeah. demand. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a huge shift for us. It went back when everything officially got shut down last March of 2020. Um, we were just getting bombarded with with uh, calls and emails from companies that said, "I, you know, I need to be able to figure out how to get more automation." They were getting bombarded with calls. They had spikes in their call centers. They had spikes in customer care issues. People were staying home more, so there was all this virtual work going on, and. Um, there was just across the board, I would say, especially healthcare. We, oh, we yeah. saw a big need for automation to, to be able to handle those situations where you, you can provide a quick answer and it could be immediate, it could be friendly, and it can be inexpensive for, for the provider to, to do that. And so in a lot of ways, the pandemic ushered in this whole new era of automation like it's across the board not only in our our industry but all over the place it's happening you know you saw it with curbside delivery and um you know touchless ordering like everywhere people are using some level of automation in order to uh keep business running you know to serve their customers in any way it's across industries you know especially where the public is involved Definitely. And, you know, I, I, I'm hearing all this. I mean, knowing, you know, the work that you did, even when we were at Redbox, you were always in that forward thinking innovation type of space. So you are probably perfect to be in that role to quickly respond to this situation, because as you mentioned, the volume and the demand was suddenly, it wasn't just, it wasn't, there was not much warning, right? It just suddenly shifted and things closed down and then um, you, had to, you right. had to develop and pivot with that, right? How, how long, how yeah, long have you, oh yeah, go ahead, please. Oh, please, please go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how have you, I mean, how you, I think um, it also takes, I think a certain type of personality and interest, I think to be, um, able to adapt like that too, and also lead others to adapt. So just wanted to know more about where that, you know, comes from in your background and experience. That's, that's great. Cause that's actually what I was going to say. We're on the same page there. Um, yeah, I, I would say that, um, you know, I've always been somewhat forward thinking. I like to think I am anyway. And um, I, yeah. I never really accepted the status quo of things. I don't know how it was really wired into me at a young age, probably music, I would guess, because as a musician, you're constantly, I was, I, I was raised as a piano player. I did a lot of jazz improv back when I was learning piano as a teenager. And um, it's all about, 
you know, pr- pushing at the edges, you know, like what, what's possible because you have to keep up with what's going on in jazz and you're not really using um, a prescribed, you know, melody or a lot of sheet music using just a, a simple guide. Like here's kind of the chords we're going to use, go, go for it. And so I like to think that's probably where it came from. Um, but when I see anything um, that is status quo, the first thing I'm thinking of is, okay, what's the next innovation that's going to happen there? You know, how is this going to be improved or disrupted? Because you can see that um, something needs to change. And I, I think there's a couple big areas like education, uh, public education and colleges and universities are prime for a complete disruption over the next decade. Um, I, I think that you'll see it in, you know, like the smart home is another place that's obviously come alive with, uh, you know, the ring doorbell and the, uh, the nest app for your, for your, uh, HVAC, but, and all the smart appliances. And it's still, I, it's still early stages for that, you know, but it's definitely going to be, I think it's going to be something that, that people and companies continue to innovate on. Um, and, you know, so artificial intelligence was one of those areas where I, um, I kind of understood how these models and the algorithms were built based on my, you know, background in data and the, the, the other tech work, tech work I was doing. Um, and, uh, so it has really attracted me to the, to the whole, uh, voice angle, you know, the voice command and, and the, uh, using natural language to be able to, to be able to interface with the computer. You know, I, you know we've been, if you look back at it, the actual computer is ready for it to be disrupted because we've been interacting with the computer basically the same way. Like the keyboard has been the keyboard since the beginning of time, right? The QWERTY, the QWERTY keyboard has been the same. The mouse, the yeah. way we, we, we fill out a form, the way we click through something, the buttons we click on a screen, the way we use a computer and the software that was built 30 years ago-ish is basically the same. You know, you, there's, there's been a lot of, you know, innovation in how that's delivered. So it's more, you know, efficient. It can do fancy things. But now when you talk about I'm just going to use my voice to talk to the computer or talk to the software and then make things happen. And there's going to be a lot of shortcuts in between that are built in. Now you're talking about a completely new disruptive way in which the next 50 years, people are going to probably use more of a natural language voice in order to interact with software versus typing on the QWERTY keyboard. Um, I don't know if you've ever used the uh, voice commands on when you text, you know, if you have like you do a, yeah. like a mm-hmm. speech yes, to text type. type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still a little awkward, right? Like it's yeah. not a natural thing. Like I find myself always going to the keyboard. You're like, okay. Cause you know, we've been using it forever. So I'm going to type out this long sentence, but then I think, you know what, I'm just going to try and speak this sentence and see if I can get this done better. And the more I actually use that feature where I'm just talking to respond to a text, if it's a longer answer, I'm like, oh, this is 
this is really the only way to do it. <laughs> like, why would I sit here and with autocorrect and all this other crap that you got, you're trying to navigate in this tiny keyboard, just, just speak your answer. And you know, the text goes. So I, that's, these are the types of things that, that drew me towards smart bots. And um, I just, like, like you said, I'm always looking at across the board. That, that was one of the reasons why I started Innovation Room podcast was because I've, you know, there's so many things that are being innovated on now. Like it's, it's truly like, you know, the world 2.0 is what's happening right now. I mean, indoor farming, I did a, I did a, uh, I did a, a podcast episode in indoor farming, which is fascinating. Didn't even know it existed really in that, to that degree. Um, oh. E-sports. E Another one, I, another area that where it's impacting the way kids learn and the, what they, how they're going to get into college uh, by using gaming. I mean, there's, there's so many things that are that are changing, the disruptive changes that uh, it's really an amazing time to be alive. If you think about it. Yeah, there are so many things changing um, during our lifetime. You're absolutely right. I feel like in the next few years, we're seeing that. And I heard that there are certain people that will be um, key, you know, right, to lead that change and then those that will embrace that. So you're definitely in that space of, of leading that change because you're not only comfortable with it, it looks like you seek seek that out of ways to improve upon things too and your podcast uh you're doing the podcast and also you're constantly in that space too so i was going to ask you how do you recommend others also to be um in that mindset of thinking out of the box i you know you mentioned music was an early influence for you in that way of thinking what are some other ways that others, I know they, actually I'll include your link also for the podcast and because that's, you are definitely introducing people to just alternate ways of approaching different problems in the marketplace too, through your conversations and other, other thoughts on yeah. that too, that people that naturally don't think like this, you right. know, how do you recommend that exercises or something yeah. they can do? Yeah, well, uh, that's it's a good question. I don't know if I have a great answer, but um, I, I think that people are, um, you, you know, as human beings, we crave security and we crave control, right? Yeah. Um, yes. That's just that's human nature. We like to be able to predict things, and we don't want too much change. People don't like change a lot. A lot of people just refuse to change and it is comfortable like because they you get proficient at things when you when it doesn't change you know and and that feels good and comfortable um and so yeah. i think i think what you have to do if you want to really innovate and experience different things you have to step outside of your comfort zone every single day every single day and no matter what you're doing it doesn't have to be crazy stuff like jump out of an airplane but it <laughs> it could be it could be um, take a different way home from work. Um, if you're not a writer, you know, start a journal and start writing your thoughts down. Um, it, it, there's just you know thousands of different little things you could do yes. to to start experimenting with getting out of your comfort zone. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and Those are good eventually tips. you get yeah. used to it, and eventually you get used to it. 
and you get I used mean, to the failure because that's the thing people don't like is failure. That's the other thing in human nature is failure is, is, is hard. You know, we're trained from the beginning, get an A, you know, pass the test, an F is bad, right? But mm-hmm. if you're in technology, if you're an innovator, an F isn't bad. An F just means you didn't learn the right thing quite yet, but, but you learned what's not going to work, which is just as more important than finding it, you know, getting it right the first time. And that's really, really hard for people to understand. Um, so it's don't be afraid of failure. Um, it's a, that's a hard one because there's emotion that's attached to failure. And then, uh, you know, that's really tough. But if you can, if you can experiment on different things, don't worry about failing small, failing fast, and, you know, just little things here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. can, uh, you can get it you can start to think and start to have that forward thinking with what you're doing. And, um, and I think that helps, uh, and, you know, and yeah. especially, you know, if, and I'm, I'm 52 years old. So like most people my age don't think like this, right. There are yeah. a lot of people my age are very set in their ways and they're very, they don't want to try much things that are new. Um, but yeah. as you get older, it's very important that I think anyway, that mm-hmm. you continue to push, you push the boundaries and you continue to figure out, um, you know, what is changing in the world? How do I, it's helped me talk to my kids better because I'm, you know, they're on the, the front lines of innovation. You know, they have, they, they have to deal with it because that's just the way their brains are working right now. And, being you know the old foggy dad we talk about stuff that that's really like right cutting edge right now and um and i can understand that and have that conversation with them so you know there's a lot of benefits i just listened to a a great podcast by mark maples uh no mike mike maples he's um he's an he's an investor out of silicon valley and and it's it's all about really understanding and dealing with fear and failure because that's really a lot of what you deal with in this space, which is why it's hard, you know, to, to deal with sometimes. You still with me? Yeah, we're, I'm still here. It was kind of uh, slowing down, I think, uh, in the... Uh, reception, but I definitely appreciate everything you said. Can you hear me? Okay, Mike. Consumer. Uh, I think we're losing our connection. Okay, that's okay. We can. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. We will. Um, I we had good conversation for part one, and we'll do another one later. I think, but this has been wonderful. Thanks for sharing the tips about innovation. And even for others, how they can have that exercise and do something in this space and get their mindset uh, ready or or what each of us could do to have that opportunity to innovate because each of us could in whatever we're doing. So I really appreciate all the uh, all that you shared today, Mike. I know it's kind of like the tip of the iceberg. You have so much more. So I. you know, looking forward to another conversation too. And I will share your links and thank you so much again and have a, um, a great um, 
weekend and talk talk to you soon. Thanks everybody for listening. And please definitely visit uh, Mike's um, podcast too, which, are, uh, which is in the link here. Thank you, bye.